Hey Church, well it's great that you can join us today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Boaz. I'm usually one of the worship leaders here at One Hope. But today I'm grateful to Matt and the church leadership for giving me this privilege to wrap up our series on the book of Acts. Now ideally it would have been nice to preach my first sermon here at One Hope in a live Sunday service with all of you guys in attendance. But obviously God had other plans in mind. Very briefly, if you're wondering about my accent, I was born in Singapore to Christian parents. Uh, in fact, because dad was a pastor, we moved to the States for two years before becoming missionaries in Myanmar for five years. It, it was after that that mom migrated us kids out and moved here to Australia in 2004. Uh, fast forward to today, I'm married to Sue Ann, who was born and raised in Malaysia. So all of this combined gives you this really messed up accent that you hear. Uh, it was about five years ago when I responded to the Lord's call on my life to study at a Bible school, which is where I'm at today. I'm currently wrapping up a degree at the RTC, the, the Reformed Theological College, which has been an incredibly helpful investment for the future. But can I say this? If it has not been for my wife, Sue Ann, who has supported me throughout this entire time, none of this would have been possible. So thank you, dear. But today is not about me or Suan. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Paul who journeys to Rome on a ship. And unfortunately, along the way, he gets shipwrecked on an island called Malta. Now, many of us might feel very much like Paul. You know, when life is just sailing along as planned, when something goes terribly wrong. Take, for example, maybe you find yourself in, in a dream job. You, know, you, you love it there. And you see yourself there for years, maybe until retirement. But there's a falling out in management and your boss has been replaced by someone colder and more challenging to work for. And of course, we have COVID, don't we? We've all made plans in COVID, plans to, to, to go on a holiday, to see friends and relatives, and just to, to do everything that we had planned. But COVID came along and, well, nothing that we had planned really went on, did it? It was about five years ago, this month in August, in fact, that my mom, she suddenly passed away from a stroke. And our son, Cohen, would have been her first grandchild, but she passed away six months too early. Sometimes things don't always go according to plan. Even if there are things that we know honors God. Say you're single and you've, you've set yourself a, a godly standard of purity but the wait for a Christian guy or girl wasn't what you had planned. Or maybe you run a business and you're, you're running it with godly principles and values, but for whatever reason, you see revenue dropping and, and employees, good employees leaving. This pattern even continues. We, we, we recognize it in the Bible. We have people like Job, you know, someone that the Bible calls and describes as, as blameless and upright. Yet he loses everything, his wealth, his, his health, his children, it all goes. And there's a story of David. Now he was resolved that he was not going to harm the Lord's anointed king, King Saul. But what did he get for his troubles? He gets hunted time and time again. And of course we have Paul, a man who can tell us all about things going wrong. In the final pages of Acts, 
Paul is arrested. He's arrested by the Romans because of some controversy he causes with the Jews. Apparently, he had violated some Jewish teachings and was worthy of death. And if it was not for the Romans, uh, they, would have, they would have actually killed him. But the Romans step in and they put him in chains. After that, through a series of events, Paul tries to defend his case. But it's not long until he realizes that he has no confidence in the hearing. And so he has no choice but to appeal to Caesar in Rome. So there Paul is placed on a ship and set sail from Caesarea to Rome. So in the map that you can see, Paul travels along and finds himself near an, an island, and in fact, near a harbour called Fair Havens. And here in verse 9, we read, Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now, it was after the Day of Atonement. Some scholars know that that might be around the 5th of October. Just keep that in mind for now. So Paul warned them, Man, I can see that our voyage ahead is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo, and to our lives also. But the centurion, the one escorting Paul, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbour, Fair Havens, was unsuitable to winter in, note that winter, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Reading on, we are told that they managed to catch a gentle wind. But it was not long until they were swept out into the open sea by a wind described as a hurricane force. Soon they were, they were caught in a storm and after 14 days, they are shipwrecked on an island called Malta. Now we skip past some really important sections of the narrative, but don't worry, we'll come back to them in a bit. For now, we have to ask ourselves, what are we to make of all of this? What is God pointing out in this passage here? What, what are some things that we can draw from this? Well, let me highlight three observations from the text that will shape our time together. Three things that begin with the word sometimes, most times, and at all times. So firstly, sometimes. Let's look at verse 10. Paul warns that the voyage ahead is going to be disastrous. And see what verse 11 says. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Now remember, it was sometime after the 5th of October and sometime before winter. So it was late in the year. So the question is, why were they there out in the open sea that late in the year? because sea conditions that time of the year is dangerous. One scholar, he notes that the dangerous season for sailing began about September 14th and lasted until November 11th. And after November 11th, all navigation on the open sea came to an end. So surely, as seasoned and experienced sea travelers, they would have known sea conditions that time of year was dangerous. So why were they there? Why, why be caught out there? Well, could it be like they were just oblivious to the, to the sea conditions? Maybe they were just ignorant. Or perhaps they were just a bit behind schedule. Some people suspect that they were driven by profit to try to get grain into Rome that time of year. Oh, we, we just aren't actually told 
in Scripture, what their, their motivation was. But what we do know is that in verse 12, they had judged, they had seen that the closest harbour to them, Fair Havens, was not suitable to winter in. So rather than trying to listen to Paul, rather than trying to, to, to buckle down and make it through winter, or, or even go back, they decide to press on, despite the risk, despite the danger, soon to find themselves completely shipwrecked, losing everything. So the first observation that we can make is that sometimes we cause our own shipwrecks. And unfortunately, that's where many of us find ourselves today. Now through no fault of anyone else, we cause our own shipwrecks. Now our, our marriages, they break down. We're, we're negligent at work. We, we eat and we drink the wrong sorts of things. We, we fill our minds with, with mindless stuff. We engage in relationships we have no right to be a part of. And we wonder why the things in our life is falling around the way they are. We wonder why God will allow these things to happen. Before we point the finger at anyone else, before we point the finger at God, sometimes we need to stop and ask ourselves, did I cause my own shipwrecks? Did I really need to say that? Have, have I been handling my finances responsibly? Should, should I be watching that? Should I be listening to that? Have I loved my spouse the way that Christ loves me? Sometimes we cause our own shipwrecks. And secondly, most times we find a resolution over time. Paul and company, they were lost at sea for 14 days. Now, before we skim past this number 14, realize how long 14 days really is. Now, we've just come out of lockdown. And imagine 14 days in lockdown. But Paul, he didn't have Wi-Fi. He didn't have Facebook, Netflix. He didn't have books to read or a garden to tend to. Paul was on a ship. And it was not like the ship was just cruising along and the waters was just calm and still. No, he was caught in a storm. Now, I've never been to, to the Mediterranean Sea, but here we have the experience of first century Paul and we have the experience of 21st century Matt Jacoby who tells us that the Mediterranean Sea can have storms of up to force 10 gale. So I would imagine that Paul would, been, would have been hanging on for his life, maybe even screaming out to God, God! Save us! Where are you, Lord? Why did God allow Paul to go through 14 long, terrifying days before they found land? Why does God allow us to go, to go through lengthy periods of time before a resolution is found? Let me suggest two possibilities from the text. Two reasons why God might allow us to go through lengthy periods of time before we find any sort of resolution. The first possibility is that it is during these times that God can strip away our trust from the world. Look at verse 19. It says, On the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. 
and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After many days of trying to climb the corporate ladder, after many days of trying to, to cover a lie with another lie on top of another lie, after many days of trying to, to reason with my spouse, with my child, with my, with my friend, to come back to the Lord. After many days of trying to, to feel this hurt and this pain inside, to numb it, to dull it somehow with whatever I can get my hands on. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many, many days and the storm continued raging, we gave up all hope of being saved. Why does God allow us to go through lengthy periods of time before a resolution is found? Because he wants to strip away our trust in the world. Why is that? Because secondly, he wants to teach us to trust in the Lord. Look at verse 23. Paul said, Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of everyone on board. Notice what it does not say. It doesn't say that, that rescue is coming right now. It, it does not say that right in Paul, look, behold, I'm saving you. It does not even say that, that you will never face an obstacle ever again. But what it does say is that Paul must stand trial before Caesar. What it does say is that God has graciously given you the lives of everyone on board. There is, this is a word of, of assurance. It's a word of, of certainty, church. It's a word from God that we can trust. And he calls for us to trust in him. That's a writer who once wrote that some years ago, I was learning to fly. My instructor told me to put the plane in a steep incline. I was totally unprepared for what was about to happen. After a brief time, the engine stalled and the plane it began to, to plunge out of control. It soon became evident that my instructor, he was not going to come to my help at all. After a few seconds of what seemed like an eternity, my mind, it began to function again and I quickly corrected the situation. Immediately, I turned to my instructor and started to vent my fearful frustrations at him. He very calmly said to me, there is no position that you can get this plane into that I cannot get you out of. Church, there are some of you who need to hear that tonight, today. God is saying to you, there's no position that you can get yourself into that I cannot get you out of. You need to trust me. Most times, a resolution takes time. So trust in the Lord. And thirdly, at all times, we live under a divine purpose. What if Paul was never lost at sea? 
What if his journey from Caesarea to Rome went exactly as planned? Well, for one thing, he would have never have been shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And look at what he accomplishes there. In Acts chapter 28, we're told that all of them, they get shipwrecked and they make it onto the island. And Paul is, <laughs> he's soon bitten by a viper. But the people in verse 6 say that they expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happening to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. You, you just get this sense that God has set this scene up perfectly for Paul. Now he, now he has an opportunity to tell him about Jesus. The one who not only rose from the dead, but gives life to all who would believe in him. And that's not all. We read on in verse 8. It says that the chief official's father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick in the island came and were cured. If Paul was never shipwrecked on the island of Malta, if Paul had never been inconvenienced, the message of the gospel would never have reached the island for years, maybe even not at all. But Paul lives under a divine purpose. He lives under a divine plan. Because I was born in Singapore, I always knew that as soon as I finished high school, I would have to go back to Singapore to do two years of national service, two years of national service in the army. So for as long as I can remember, it was drilled into my, my brother and I that we would have to go back and serve in the army because dad did it, my, our relatives did it, everyone went to the army. So after my, my brother went in and he was enlisted, it was my turn. So I went back, I presented myself to them and instead of going to the army, they told me that I would be going to the police force. What? The, the, the police force? You, you can go there for national service? Now, you have to understand that for all my life, I had been preparing myself to, to go to the army, you know, to, to get down and dirty, to, to dig trenches day and night, to, to do all this crazy number of push-ups. So to be told that I'm going to the police force, it was a huge disappointment. So anyway, after I came to terms with it, I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't know why I'm here. Like of all the, all the places, of all the people, you would send me to the police force. I don't know why I'm here, Lord God, but I just pray that you please use this time. Don't, don't waste it. After a few months, I had cultivated this friendship with a friend um, who was fascinated by the Bible. We, we started reading from the book of Revelation. Like the book of Revelation, who starts by reading from the book of Revelation? But anyway, it was not long after that, that um, he came to church with me and to the glory of God, he gave his life to Jesus and accepted him as his savior. When I look back, I tell the Lord, you know, God, if he was the reason why I went to the police force, it was worth it. We simply don't know what God knows. And I know church, sometimes the shipwreck of our lives can be, can be painful. 
can be unbearable, it can be heartbreaking. It's excruciating to see a loved one lose their life. It's, it's, it's stressful to watch our income disappear and our savings evaporate. I'm not saying that this is easy. No one has said that this is easy. But we simply do not know what God knows. Could He be protecting us from, from a danger ahead? Or maybe He's preparing you for, for something to come. Or might He be, be doing something that's going to be beyond you, or beyond your life? We simply do not know what God knows. But this I know, church, is that at all times, we live under a divine purpose. So what can we do? What are some things that we can implement into, into, into our lives? Let me suggest two things. Two things that I pray that you can come back to whenever you experience life shipwrecks. The first thing we can do is to pay attention to wise counsel. Remember Paul's advice in Acts 27 verse 10. He warns them that the voyage ahead was going to be disastrous. We can only imagine what might have been if they had listened to Paul. But chances are good. God has placed great people in your life who can offer you really wise counsel. It might be in the area of your, of your business or, or your, your health, your career, your, your marriage. Chances are God has placed these wonderful people in your life that can really speak, in, speak into your lives. And it's up to us if we choose to pay attention or not. There's a story of the uh, former U.S. president, Franklin Roosevelt, who once <laughs> told about how he endured long receiving lines at the White House. Now he complained that no one really listened to what was said. So one day he decided to try an experiment. To everyone who, who shook his hand, he would murmur to them, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> the guests responded with phrases like, marvelous, keep up the good work. No, God bless you, sir. It wasn't until the end of the line when the ambassador from Bolivia actually heard what was said. Confused and bewildered, the, the ambassador leaned forward and whispered, she must have had it coming. If we actually pay attention to what people say, we might be surprised to learn a thing or two. So when we go through life's shipwrecks, pay attention to wise counsel. And secondly, hang on to God's promises. Two times Paul affirms the people on the ship that no lives will be lost. And everyone will make it. And that's exactly what happens. When God promises something, you can rest on it. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know, sometimes I go, sometimes I go through shipwrecks in life and I don't exactly know what, what promises to hang on to. Well, can I say, first of all, don't wait until you experience a shipwreck um, before you open your Bible for the first time in six months. It's just like getting car insurance. You don't wait for an accident. You, you get it before anything happens so that you can rest assured that you're covered. Be found in Scripture. Know your God. 
know His Word, know His promises, so that when calamity comes, you can rest assured. A few years ago when, um, when I, was, I was going through a, a season where my confidence was really low at work, my relationship with my boss was really fragile. Anyway, one day he sent me out on, on the job and all I wanted to do for the job was just to, to do a good job, get it done, no problems, no mistakes, and head on back. So I went there, got the job done, drove back, and in the drive back, I was just going through the jobs and job in my mind. And to my horror, I realized I'd forgotten to do one thing, like one thing I needed to do. What was I gonna do? So I got back and I, I told my boss like, you no, know, the things I had done for the, for the job. And he asked me, did you do that one thing that, <laughs> that you should do? And it was like a out of body experience where I just, I watched, I watched myself and, and, and listened to myself bleed this lie, saying that I had done it when, when I hadn't. I went home that day and it just ate inside me just did not sit right with me. I sat down and I said, God, I, what do I do? I messed up. And the verse from Psalm 37 verse 3 came and it said, trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. I did the opposite of good. I messed it up. But God, your word says to trust in you. And so, Lord, I want to try. I'm going to try to do good right now. I, I don't know what will happen, Lord, but I trust you with the outcome of this. So I rang my boss up. I owned up to the mistake. And, I, and yeah, it was painful. It was, it was embarrassing, humiliating. But church, it was the best thing I had ever done because the Lord oversaw the outcome of that. My relationship with my boss, it grew like never before to the point where he trusted me like he had never done in the past. Me of all people. Personally, professionally, I had grown my time there. And the best part of all was that I, had re I resigned on the best of terms. If I can be so real to say, church, there's some of you who have completely given up on the promises of God. Maybe you've been, you've been frustrated that you've seen the things in your life. It didn't turn out the way you wanted Him. You, you trusted in Him once, you trusted Him twice, and it didn't come through. All the atrocities that you see around you. No, why did she have to be abused? Well, why did he have to die? If millions would die from COVID, and, and buildings more affected. Why would he allow it? Frankly, church, I don't know why. But listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 11. He says, all the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unfathomable or incomprehensible his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor? Who can match his wisdom? Who can equal his understanding? Have we seen what God has seen? Do we know what he knows? 
Why, we don't even know if we're going to have beef or chicken for dinner. And here is God, who is infinitely greater than us. And yet who loves us, who loves us with an incomprehensible love, a love like never, you'll never experience from anyone else besides God. And he calls for us to rely on him, to trust in him, to hang on to his promises. As we close today, some of you might be thinking, no, why should any of this matter? No, why should how I live matter in all of this? Why can't I just go along with my life and just go through my problems quietly? Let me level with you, church. You don't have to do anything of what I've just shared today. You have a choice. You have a choice to live your, the, your life exactly the way that you want it. To do whatever you want with your life. But can I show you something? All throughout the book of Acts, the story has been following this verse. From chapter 1 of verse 8, Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And don't miss this. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and into the ends of the earth. Paul eventually reaches Rome. And there he takes with him the message of the gospel into the ends of the earth. And so the, con the story continues with you. As a child of God, one who carries the message of the gospel, you have a choice. You have a choice to live your life in a way that Jesus has called us to live as His witness. We can choose to live your life no different from the rest of the world. One filled with, with despair and hopelessness. Or you can choose to live your life in a way that that reveals the message of the gospel that in Jesus there is hope and there is life and there is joy found in Him. You have a choice in life's shipwrecks. So Father, right now, right across, across this place, I pray for every one of us, Lord, as we go through life's shipwrecks, Lord, I pray that you would just Fill us, Lord. Give us courage. Give us hope. Give us purpose, Lord, as we go through the challenges we face. That in these difficult times, that you use us powerfully, Lord. And use us for your glory. That the name of Jesus and the life of Jesus can just shine forth from us. Father, in this world, we know that there are so many things going on. But in you, Lord, we have all hope. So, Father, we pray that you just help us. Help us, Lord, because we need you. We hang on to you in all of life's shipwrecks, Lord, because we pray all this in your Son's name. Amen.